Hey, Verse Course Versers, DL here. How is everybody doing? I'm doing well. Before we kick off this episode, and this has nothing to do with the episode, I just want to give a shout out. A shout out to a podcast called Songs for Win. Dot, dot, dot. It is our British counterpart that started a little bit before us, but um, fairly similar beginnings. We recorded an episode with them. Rachel and I did best music videos talk with George and M from Songs for Win. It has posted on their, you can go to their Instagram at Songs for Win. They have a link tree there. iTunes, they're big on iTunes. I think Google Play. But yeah, please check it out. If you do like this podcast, go check that episode out. They really are. They're wonderful people. It's been really, really nice to have another podcast to kind of know that it sounds lame, but to just know that somebody's there liking your stuff, going through the beginnings of it too. Starting a podcast, there's this weird sense of egotistical, am I doing this because I am such a megalomaniac that I have to hear myself talk all the time sort of stuff. And then I look around and I see people like George and M that are doing podcasts and I realize that nope, very good people do these. There's also this aspect of podcasting where to be honest, I've been in talks with some other podcasts. I've reached out, I've been reached out to, and a lot of podcasts aren't there aren't as friendly, which, hey, I get it. It's a cutthroat business. Not only that, but I can see where we might be as a podcast, maybe a little grating. We have a couple of personalities, including myself, that I could see would be annoying to specific people. But there are definitely some podcasts out there that are not going to want you to be a podcast. And so it's just nice to partner up with somebody. And then when we did record, it was funny because George and Rachel are so incredibly similar. And Em and I are so very similar that it just seemed it was kind of a kismet sort of thing. I had a a brilliant time talking with them. They're just beautiful people. I have a crush on both of them. You're both married, I know. So no offense, significant others. I mean that in the kindest way. Us Americans, we're just used to getting what we want. So sorry. Anyway, songs for win. Check them out. George and M, we love you. Thank you so much. Let's get to the episode. Hey, DL, you like my new hat? Why, yes, Sven, that's the most amazing hat I've ever seen in my life. Where did you get it? I got it at our new merch store. Visit shop.versecourseverse.com for more hats like this, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and more. Coming up on Verse Course Verse... All those who meet me shall live in fear of the question, who is the greatest band of all time? That is next. Welcome to episode 55 of Verse Course Verse IMDL. I am all alone, kind of. My trusty dog is here with me, so I'm not completely alone, but I am kind of alone. We're at a weird podcast spot, and I'll talk about that. First, how are you? Are you well? How's your Monday? Do you listen to this on a Monday? Do you listen to this when it comes out? How do you listen? When do you listen to this podcast? That's a good question. Do you pay attention to it? Do you not? I listen to podcasts a lot at work, so I'd be complete honest, I probably catch about 40% of it. Hopefully that's the case for you. For God's sake, don't intensely listen to our content. It is not good enough. Sorry, Rachel, Evil, and Sven. Of course, I'm talking about myself, not you. Anyway, why am I alone? Why am I doing this by myself? So here's the thing. We're in season two. Podcast is doing great. Our listeners are growing very, very well for the amount of time our podcast has been around for. We are in a very, very high percentile of downloads and and streams, if we trust the numbers. In another year or two, are we going to have sponsors? Are we going to make a little money? It's definitely possible. It's looking like that could very well happen. 
But for now, we definitely are not. We are definitely in the red. We definitely have negative moolah, which is fine. This is a passion project. I love doing it. Starting this project means that I get to talk music every Friday or Saturday night with some buddies. And then after that, I get emails and messages from people telling me how dumb my opinion is, which if you know me, that that's what I live for. That is the meaning of life to me. But to steal a quote from my dear friend Rachel, here's the thing. While I'm in the red, I can't pay spend Rachel evil anything. I can't say, hey, here's money. Come hang out with me every single Friday. Pretend to be my friend. Pretend to love me. Come be with me. I can't do that. I just can't. So for this season, especially with Sven needing to take a large step back, which that happens to everybody. Hopefully nobody's too grumpy about Sven missing most of the episodes this year. He started the podcast with me. We It doesn't take long doing a podcast to realize how much work it is. And Sven, God bless him, I think on paper, he wants to jump at anything. But like all of us, you know, we have lives. I'm sure it looked much easier on paper until he actually had to start working with me and realize how much of a pain in the ass I am. But hey, you want good content, you have to earn it, right? Mediocre content? I don't know. At the same time, when we brought Rachel and Evil in, which has been an absolute beaut, I had an inkling that Evil, before we started this, I had kind of known that Evil would be good. Just because I've talked about music with him for so long, I can honestly say I had no idea about Rachel. I've always gotten along with her great. I've always thought she was extremely witty. She's really quick, well-spoken, which translates incredibly well to a podcast. I had no idea, though, that having her on, that it would really work. It would really add something incredibly special to the podcast. So I really lucked out in being able to bring on those two. That said, they have lives, and they actually like sleep. So I can't just make them do every episode with me. The point that I'm getting at is I felt comfortable basically saying to them, hey, look, can you do half the episodes this year? Can we mark you down for 50%? And then once I can start paying, hopefully in a year or two, then we can have the discussion of what's fair, what's not. Then we start the company. We gradually begin to loathe each other. The backstabbing starts. And then it's just a beautiful business. You know, Then we're, we're exactly where we want to be, touring and hating each other. But for now... Rachel and Evil this year are going to do about 50% of the episodes. Sven's going to do a couple of rotation and that's about it, which is fine. He's a busy guy. I just love that we get to have him when we do. Uh, rotation being 14 or 15 episodes. And then I am going to do a couple episodes of rotation myself because that's the way it works. Will it work? I don't know. This is very weird. It's really hard sitting here and and rambling for an hour and a half trying to get an hour's worth of content. You feel very stupid very frequently, but that's okay. You know, there are a couple of my favorite podcasts I listen to that's mostly just one person talking and talking and talking. Some people are really, really good at that. Some people are really... I'm not going to edit that just so you can see what I'm dealing with with myself. Some people are really, really good at it. Some people are not. I think I'm pretty meh. So, hey, if this is terrible content, let me know. We'll work on something else. I spent a really, really long time trying to think of what would make good content. Did I want to talk more about independent artists? Did I want to have more interviews which that's fine. We do have enough people contacting that I think we could have a couple more interviews. And hey, we have some good interviews coming this year. Some really good interviews. I mean, really good interviews. I am shocked at the people that we've gotten for interviews in our second season. So yeah, to be honest, uh, number one, those are pretty stressful for me. I'm very hard on myself with the interviews. I over-research. It's just a little bit nerve-wracking for me. Until I get to the actual interview, then I have a blast. You know, don't get me wrong, anybody that's been on the show. Once I'm actually there, it's fun. But until literally the second that we start talking, I'm kind of a mess. Also, we are still trying to feel what we are. And numbers-wise, the interviews sometimes are not as good. So far, the best content we have found is just the aimless rambling content. As far as dedicated listening, which... That's the thing. Episodes like having Bobby Waters on, which was a blast and which I'll have him on anytime. 
Do those do great numbers wise? Yes. Did that quadruple our downloads for an episode? It sure did. But is that what we want? Do we want people that are going to come for one episode? Yeah, that's great. Leave. Or do we want dedicated listeners? We want dedicated listeners. This is a no-brainer for me. If I'm here at 2,000 listeners forever, I'm great with that. I feel like I have 2,000 friendships that I've built. And getting emails and DMs and things like that from the same 20, 30 people per episode, I, I could not be happier for that. That said, someday do I want to make money? Do I want to be able to buy nice equipment for the other people on the pod? Do I want to be able to make better content by being able to spend more time on it? Yeah, I would. Long story short, this is what I was going with trying to figure out what the content would be. And one thing I had a friend mention to me that I thought was a good point, because we were talking about my conversation, because everybody I talk to, I end up talking about music too. That's just who I am. That's why I have a music podcast. But what he said to me, he said, you know, one thing that you do if you're at a party or you first meet someone or anything is you will always ask them who their favorite band is or what their favorite album is. We just had this brief teeny little chat about it and how it was this weird little quirk that half annoys people, but people kind of like it. And I had this idea that I should do something about that. One of the things I've noticed, and I'm sure you people have too, have you ever asked somebody, I should say most people, I'm sure there are some people that listen to this podcast. We have our music obsessors like the people on here, that if you ask them who their favorite band is, they're going to answer immediately. But I'll tell you right now, nine out of 10 people are going to do the, oh, I don't, I, there's so many, there's just so many. You know, I don't, I don't know what, and you can go, okay, well, what about your favorite album? Oh, there's just, there's so many good albums. Okay. Well, what's your favorite song? Oh, I can't, I, well, well, what's in your CD player, right? A CD player. My God. Sorry, people that are not 39. Oh, (laughs) what are you downloading right now? What song is highest on your Spotify? Oh, well, gosh, I don't know. You see, kids, a CD is this little mini record. Anyway, I digress. If you don't know this about me, I'm a bit obsessive. I'm extremely obsessive. I don't know if it's necessarily OCD, but it's definitely the O for sure. I am a little bit of an ADHD for sure, but mostly just the obsessiveness. I am also a huge stat nerd. I love baseball love baseball because it's just endless, mindless stats that you can lose yourself in forever. So I am an obsessive stat nerd, which probably equates to terrible content. And I am very sorry for that, but it is what it is. This is what I decided to do. I sat down and I said, you know what? Who is my favorite band of all time? Do I absolutely know it 100%? You know what? I don't. So if I can't even answer that correctly, how the hell can I expect somebody else to answer it correctly? And stats obsessive me, who's also very much a, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist type of person decided that, you know what? There has to be an equation out there. There has to be some sort of equation to factually figure out who a my favorite band of all time is, and B, the best band of all time is. I guess we can get into the differences there later. It's pretty obvious, but we can still talk about it. But anyway, honestly, that's what I did. I thought of an equation to figure out my favorite band slash artist of all time and the best band slash artist of all time. I got to tell you, I think it's a pretty good equation, and I will get into how I figured it out. But first, I got to get to the most important part of the night. What am I drinking? Double content day. I actually just got done doing a video for YouTube. Just so you know, a little bit of spoilers for you in the VCV universe that dig our content. We are working on some YouTube videos, a lot of them, over a very specific topic. And we don't know when we're going to release them. Might be this year. It might be next year. We kind of want our listeners to hit a specific number because apparently one of the really bad things that you don't want to happen on YouTube is to have like five people watch your... The first thing people do is they will see five views and you will be stuck at five views forever. YouTube is not a gradual steady lift. It's kind of a steep incline into a gradual steady lift. So we want mass quantities of content 
and then we're going to release a batch at once and then one at a time. I would say at the very latest, starting with season three, maybe middle of this season. It's going to be really good content. We've already made a couple of the videos. Sven is just, Sven is just such a good editor. And then you have, you know, the silver-tongued Rachel, Evil, and, and I. I mean, how would it not be great content? So I worked on that. Tonight, I talked a little bit about some 60s doo-wop. So I made an old-fashioned. And that is what I am still drinking, a second one. So don't you worry. I'm not just drinking one old-fashioned for three hours. Come on now. Two ounces of Buffalo Trace, some simple syrup, orange peel, express. The way I make my old-fashioned is I pour the simple syrup in, two dashes of bitters. I put the orange peel in there and then I muddle it. Not heavily, light muddle, just getting the oils out of the peel. I add the ice first and then I pour the whiskey over the ice to already start the cooling, stir it for, you know, 15, 30 seconds, whatever. Bob's your uncle. That is what I have. I also have a water here, you know, health first. Whiskey, water, what else do you need in life? Not much. That is what I am drinking. Let's get into the equation. The great search for my favorite band and the best band slash artist of all time. We will be right back. We are back. Yeah, how's it going? I'm stoked. I really am. I think this is going to go well. I have faith that it's going to go well because of how much time I have spent working on this equation. It's embarrassing. But I have. Months. Started with a very complex one, went down to a simple one, added to more. This equation has changed so much, you would not believe it. Up until last night, I was up until about 4 a.m. last night because I had this final idea, made it work crunch the numbers. The numbers are exactly where I kind of projected they might be. I'm really confident in them. So, hey, I'm, I'm going with it. Is this ridiculous content? Yeah. Is it enjoyable? I honestly have no fucking idea. So you're going to have to tell me. I'd imagine that I'm going to get about three or fours. This is the worst crap. Please don't do this anymore. And I think I'm honestly knowing our listeners. I think I'm going to get a couple. This is brilliant. Huzzah. Well done, my friend. Cheers. I hope I do. The equation. Let's talk about the equation. Let's talk about the favorite band equation first. I put a lot of thought into this. I put a lot of, do I put urban legends involved in here somehow? Bands like Led Zeppelin that have these amazing stories that were weren't weren't true. Do I somehow try to include this? For best band of all time equation, do I try to add the effect on the industry somehow? You know, we talked about Thriller this year. Do we equate in somehow the influence of a specific album? For favorites, personalities. Does personality tarnish or help? If I've decided to discuss more, the Smiths come to mind with some of the things Morrissey has done and has said. Do I let that factor into it somehow? Or will that automatically just happen? Live albums. Do I find a way to include live albums? This is the one that flummoxed me most, and I have a feeling people are going to argue with most, which is totally understandable. And like I said, if you have better ideas for this, please let me know. I just could not figure out a way to add in live albums beyond one thing, and I'll, I'll explain what that is. It's just going to be a very infrequent thing for me, but live and compilations, that sort of thing, they aren't going to have an effect on the best band equation. I just don't see how or why you would do that. Maybe someday I can think of trying to factor in what somebody is like seeing them live, but here's the problem. I can listen to every album. I can go home and, and turn on Amazon Music or Spotify if I have to and listen. I can't go to every band live. So that's such a one-up for best bands and favorite bands to bands like The Strokes, who I've seen a few times. It also confuses it because, you know, I've seen The Strokes when they were brilliant and I've seen The Strokes where they were goddamn terrible. So what do I do with that? I don't think there is anything I can do with that. Do I have to say, well, I'd imagine 
that Rolling Stone concerts were probably more entertaining than Beatles. So, I mean, there's just no way to do that. If you can think of a way, you let me know. But I promise you that everything that I'm saying, I have thought of and thought of and thought of and thought of. What I have found, the simpler the better, although they are fairly complex equations. I complicated them and then simplified them, and I, th- I really think what I have works. It was a ton of research. It was a ton of sitting and thinking, going to different websites and trying to get ideas of how they dissect bands, which there's really not a lot of. I'll tell you what is great. My my favorite finding from doing this research, there is a, a website out there called what the fuck should I listen to right now.com. You go there, you literally put in a band or an artist or whatever, and then it just pops, it just automatically generates if you put in Beck, it'll automatically why the fuck aren't you listening to Wilco's this song right now? It's just this really fun way of if you are sitting at home and you literally you have Spotify or whatever you use open and you cannot think of what to listen to, go to what the fuck should I listen to right now and type something in. I just thought that was really funny. That was really great. There are still things on the equation that I haven't figured out. I'm sure that this will be a growing thing. I'm sure that the equations that I have now are probably not the same that they're going to be in two more episodes because this is going to be an ongoing episode. And there are things that I have already realized in doing the work, getting ready for this just today, uh, just this evening. Things like, we're going to talk about it later on, but platinum albums that is part of the equation and i decided because i just had a hard time making sense of it that only one platinum album counts if a band has an album that went seven times platinum that's not going to count in retrospect i feel like why i don't understand why that wouldn't count it probably should so i need to reassess that for example which i will like i said this is ongoing and i will post results on the website as the equation changes as things change i will keep updating them you know every episode i'll do one of these probably about every 14 episodes at that time i will revise everything and give you the new scores i'll also have them up on the website there's also things Like one of the big things that I realized this time, it's fine content, but it could be better if I could talk about specific songs a little more. So I'm going to try when I can to talk bands that we've already delved into a lot on the podcast. So for example, the next time, uh, no spoilers, who cares? The next time I do this, I'm probably going to do bands like the Foo Fighters that we've already dissected or things or Muse, bands that we've already dissected, the artists that we've already dissected. So it's not just me saying, yeah, this band has this many great songs you asking what is it me saying none of your business other than that as far as right now i'm pretty confident what i am going to do is i am picking three bands and one artist per episode i am using the equation on those bands to figure out where they rank and there are some things that i still haven't thought of bands like allison chains who's going to be up there in my favorites what do I do with Post Lane? Is that still Alice in Chains? Do I have to count those albums? Is it two separate bands? What about Jerry Cantrell's solo work? Is he just his own thing? If there's anything that you think I'm not thinking of, anything you want me to touch on, please do. But for now, I am very comfortable with my equations. It's just a king of the hill type situation. So I'll I'll have three bands and one artist every episode eventually figure this out, whether the equation mutates or not. When we come out with this episode, I will post the equations on Instagram. If you don't follow us on Instagram at verse chorus verse pod, you can go there, check out the equation. If you are refused Instagram, which actually I think we have a lot of listeners that don't seems like we have a lot of listeners that don't Instagram it, which good for you. Definitely not knocking you for that. Uh, Go to versecourseverse.com. I will have the equation there as well. In fact, I'll probably even just do a sub category in our website that says that because it's going to be really hard to explain without you being able to see the visual. I am going to break down, explain to you right now, the favorite band slash artist equation. And I will tell you what that is. I took each band or artist and I split up their entire discography of studio albums, compilations, 
soundtracks, songs that they had on those were usable as long as they did not appear on any of their albums. So if a band did a song specifically for a soundtrack that was never on an album, which is something that was a lot more common in the 80s and 90s, then that song counts no other types of compilations or so I took every song out of their studio album discography and I separated them between amazing songs, good to bad songs and terrible songs. The first part of that equation works as amazing songs multiplied by two plus good to bad songs minus terrible songs multiplied by two over total number of songs. Sounds complex when you're just talking it out. It's actually pretty simple, right? The second part of that equation is even easier. It is how many vinyls of that band or artist would I buy over 10, divided by 10, okay? Simple stuff. It's a good way to level out full albums because I wanted albums to matter. I wanted a full, decent album to matter in this. So it's my opinions on songs, it's albums I would buy added up together. That's the equation. A lot of dinking around with this. It was once much more complex. The numbers didn't work. And so far, I have done this about five or six times, and the numbers have seemed to make sense. So that's what I'm doing. Anybody think it should be something different? Let me know. And then we have the best. And this is kind of one of the other reasons that I wanted to do this whole thing in the first place. One of the things I've learned doing this podcast is how different my taste is from everybody <laughs> from people who I thought I had exact same taste with and uh, how many people of whom's opinion I respect that have very different opinions than me on specific bands. So that's why it was important to me to do favorites, best, and then compare and contrast because I kind of want to see where I am wrong or just differ from most of society. I don't know, whatever you'd want to call it. That intrigues me. Let's talk about the best band equation. This is a lot more statistical factual. This is all based on sales, hits. So what I did is I took songs that have either hit number one, and just so we're clear, because there are a lot of different charts, and I don't want to have anybody arguing with me on using the wrong charts. It's complicated. Billboards has, you know, 50 different types of charts. There's the hot 100s, there's this, there's that. So I'm going to tell you exactly what number I'm using. What I have done is I have gone to the discography of the band in Wikipedia. They have the band Wikipedia and then they have the band discography Wikipedia, which much further breaks down numbers and sales and things like that. I went to that band's discography. I went down to singles and under singles, it has peak chart positions. Anything that was U.S., for that band, any type of US, not just US, it can be US adult rock, US country, anything. Those are the numbers that I counted. So the equation is number one hits, according to those billboard charts, or Rolling Stones just redid last year their 500 greatest songs of all time. To me, this is a great way of gauging what quote-unquote society thinks great songs are, being that Rolling Stones is the most popular musical media there is. Stick with me here. First part of the equation is either number one hits or songs that are in the top 250 of best Rolling Stones songs. Those songs together times two plus songs that were in the top 40 or were in the top 500 to 250 of Rolling Stone's best songs, okay? All those over total number of songs again. And then the second part of the equation that we are adding to that is sales. So platinum albums times two, one platinum. So they don't get a times if their record went seven times platinum, plus gold albums over 20. Once again, 20 is just an equalizing number. Those are the equations. That's what we've got. If you don't like it, you can shove it. But you don't like it, you love it. Just stole that from Weezer. Another great Weezer song. Speaking of, can't wait to do them. Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. They have come out with a lot of crap. And also a lot of stuff that I love. So hey, cheers. This is why we're doing this. It's been a long time Since you wore your pillbox hat 
how do I pick the bands and the artists that I'm doing? I'll tell you how. I'm taking one band that I think will mark highly on my favorites. I'm taking one band that I think will mark highly in best of all time. I'm taking one consequential band, a band that maybe we've been talking about a lot on the podcast just by happenstance. That's one thing that I've found doing this podcast is I don't know if it's just a mental thing or that we have the same topics pop up because when you're talking about one topic, you think, oh, hey, what if we do this? But there are just certain bands that you end up being around a lot for weeks and weeks at a time. So I'm going to take one of those bands and then I'm going to take one artist an episode. No specific who, how, what, why. Just taking one artist per episode. And this week, here are my four. The band that I've decided is probably going to mark highly in best band of all time. And to be quite honest, I just wanted to get it over with because I have a very complex relationship with them, which I'm sure we'll get into more at some point on this pod. Green Day. The aspect of the equation that is the the platinum albums and the golds. This part of the equation, so I changed that part a lot, and this was the one that ended up making the most sense, but this will help longevity. So there are bands. There are bands like Green Day that honestly, I'll get into it more when I talk about Green Day. Green Day is my choice for who I think is going to mark highly on best bands, which I know some of you are rolling your eyes, but you're going to have to hear me out. We'll talk about it. Favorites, a band that kind of is a dark horse for me, a band that I, when somebody asks me who my favorite is, my mind does not go to them. But then when I see their album in my, whenever I'm, what vinyl do I want to turn on right now? I always stop at them and think, hmm, I'm in the mood for this because I'm always in the mood for this. That band is Cake. Cake, a deceptively fantastic band. So that is the band who I thought would mark high on my favorites. And then Consequential Band, band that I have been talking about a ton. I'll be honest, I've never listened to them a lot. I don't own any of their vinyl, which is shocking to me now that I've sat and I've thought about it. But a band that we've talked about a lot because of 1969 and Woodstock, and they're just, they are a fantastic band with fantastic stories. Credence Clearwater Revival. That is the Consequential Band that I picked for this one. And then Artist. Because I talked about it earlier, and it's something that I need to figure out. He's also been in my head a lot lately because he came out with an album last year. Did I think that his markings were going to be high on either? Not really. But it's kind of a fascinating subject to start with, and that is Jerry Cantrell. Member of one of my favorite bands of all time. Possibly my favorite band of all time. Solo work is very different for anybody involved with a band that you love because there's a little bit of that tinge that that's great. Why aren't you with the band that I love? Which, hey, not fair to Jerry. He can't really do that, can he? Not with Lane, anyway. That's it. Green Day, Cake, Credence, Jerry Cantrell. That's what we're doing the first episode. And I'm happy with those picks. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to take a couple sips of water. Man, being on your own, talking, talking, talking. It's a thing, man. I don't know how DJs and stuff do that. It's exhausting. I'm going to take a break, put on some good tunes. I'll be right back. Let's get into it, shall we? Let's start with favorite bands and go to Green Day, who I don't think will mark highly on my favorites, but I honestly don't know because here's the thing about Green Day, and I think a lot of people my age feel the exact same. There was a time and place where I'm pretty sure Green Day was my favorite band. There was a time and place where I'm pretty sure... God, that might have been Insomniac or or Dookie. Might have been one of the first albums I ever owned. And my God, did it get a lot of plays in my four CD disc changer I remember getting once for Christmas and just living in my room at that point. That's just what I did. I don't even think I had four CDs. I mean, it was a six CD. No, there's no way I didn't have that kind of money. But man, do I remember listening to Dookie a lot. So yeah, that's the thing about Green Days. A lot of fond memories, but it's the, uh, what we used to call it in our 20s, it's, it's the whole, who's the worst Batman villain? Is it Joker, who's always just been a sinister, evil guy you're fighting? Or is it Two-Face, who used to be a good guy, who used to be on your side, and now he's against you? 
That's Green Day. Green Day is the two-face of punk rock, if you can even call it that. You see, you can hear in my voice the complexities that I have in my relationship with Green Day. Anyway, went through every single song on their entirely way too large discography and decided that they have, in my humble opinion, 10 amazing songs, which that's a lot. Good job, Green Day. Bite my lip and close my eyes. Do you have the time to listen to me whine? I hope so, because I have a podcast. But here's the thing about Green Day. Huge discography, 209 total songs, 181 of them are mediocre, good to bad and 18 of them to me are terrible. And man, if I had another category for least favorite song of all time adding to this, it'd be on there. You know, Good Riddance, Green Day was my unicorn, man. Green Day was everything right about the age I was in. I remember seeing them live. I remember, I think it was the first time I got my ass kicked in a mosh pit. Just Green Day was everything. And then new album comes out and I'm so excited. And that acoustic guitar kicks in and my heart shatters. What the hell was Good Riddance? Heartbreaking. 18 terrible songs, 181 good to bad songs, and 10 amazing songs. So if you don't remember for the equation, that is 10 multiplied by two plus 181 minus 18 multiplied by two, 36 if you don't have a calculator over 209 total songs. Then out of their 13 studio albums, yes, they have 13, which that doesn't matter how many they have. What matters is how many vinyls I would buy of theirs. The answer to that is three. There are three of their albums I would buy. Essentially, it's that first part of the equation we talked about plus three over 10. And the total for Green Day. Green Day scores a 1.089 on DL's Great Search, okay? And now let's go to Credence, Credence Clearwater Revival. Credence, I didn't really know what was going to happen. And just so you know, I know that it's a little bit ambivalent and it's a little bit broad because I'm saying, hey, Credence had this many great songs. I'm sure that there are a lot of you that are saying, well, what the fuck are they? What, are the, what do you think the great songs are? I can't really do that because it will spoil so much other content in the pod. I will tell you that it's a pretty much largely like Credence Clearwater Revival, for example, I have them as having 11 amazing songs. And keep in mind, this isn't good. This is amazing. And for Credence, songs that you're thinking, it's not some off-the-wall weird shit. It's, you know, Fortunate Son, Proud Mary. Those are amazing songs. So it's not that far off. For Credence, 11 amazing songs plus... 55 good to bad songs, which is actually pretty tough. And the math might not make sense to you if you go and you look at all their songs and say, wait a minute, it's not this amount of songs, but here's the thing. Credence has covers in their studio albums. So remember, those only count for half. 11 amazing songs, 55 good to bad, minus one terrible song. And honestly, not even that it was that terrible of a song. It's that I really don't like their last album. There's like four songs combined that are really not good on that final album. To even it out, I just gave them one crappy song. I just think that they deserved it for the lack of effort. It felt like they put into some of the songs on that last album. I know that's going to draw the ire of specific people listening to this podcast because I, I think, no, I don't think, I know that the final CCR album is actually pretty highly respected. And I get it in perspective of what comes out past (laughs) the 60s and 70s. It is. It's a good album. But it's just, it's not very CCR to me. And I'm sure at some point I'll do a CCR dissection and we can talk about that more. But yeah, I'm guessing that I will get some flack for the CCR's final album. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm saying half of it is not good. And I do definitely feel the tension in the band in that album. I can feel Fogarty with one foot out the door, the very strained relationship in the band. It feels like it wasn't much of a collaboration and maybe put together very quickly. CCR is such a, just such a weird band to dissect in any way or form. They're just one of the most fascinating stories there is. So 11 times two plus 55 minus two over 71, which is the total number of songs, plus the other part of the equation, how many vinyls of theirs would I buy? Credence, my number is five. There are five Credence vinyls I need, and I 
I cannot believe I don't own Willie and the Poe Boys. I don't own Green River. I don't. It's insane that I don't own any credence. So garage sales, here I come, because that is something we shall have to remedy. That is the equation, though. So five over ten for the amount of albums I would buy. Creedence Clearwater Revival's score in David's Great Search is 1.556. Right now we have Green Day at a 1.089. We have Creedence at a 1.556. Sounds okay for now, right? Let's go to Cake. Cake, a band that hasn't had that many albums, six studio albums. I didn't realize it until I really started researching for this, but there are a couple Cake albums. Wow. Just amazing song after amazing song. Bam, 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 bam. And I don't want to spoil anything because I'm actually kind of excited now to do a Cake dissection. But there is definitely one part of their timeline as a band There's a big shift for Cake, but man, there are a few albums, a couple specifically that are just, they just fit me, man. They're just good. So I have 24, 24 amazing Cake songs. And I I will fight anybody that disagrees. I seriously, they have amazing songs, 45 good to bad songs, and then two shitty songs. And like I said, the crappy songs are on one part of the career and the amazing ones seem to be on the other part of the career. So that's over 71, you know, 71 total songs. They had some covers too. Great covers. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. The Guitar Man, they do really good covers, but they just can't be marked as amazing. And then plus albums that I would buy of theirs. Out of their six albums, I would buy five. Honestly, I'd probably buy six. But I wouldn't seek all of them out. Five of them I would. I would really want to own on vinyl. And I already own two of them. So Cake's score for DL's favorite band equation ended up at a 1.754. So we have Cake at 1.754. We have Credence at 1.556. We have Green Day at 1.089. Now to me, these numbers completely make sense. And then we end with Jerry Cantrell. An artist like Jerry Cantrell, it hurts and it hinders him that he's in one of my favorite bands of all time. It's just so easy for me to hear a song and go, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? But then it's also really easy for him to, he plays a guitar lick and it just, oh, it makes me so happy because that sound, that beautiful guitar sound that I'm used to hearing, the only problem is, is then I'm just excited and and my ears are expecting Lane to kick in and it's Jerry who, hey, Jerry's got a great voice, but it sure as shit ain't no Lane Staley. I think we all know that. Jerry Cantrell has seven songs that I would call amazing. He has four terrible songs. And there's just a lot of, it's not even that they're, you just get to a point where a lot of the same stuff, he sounds very similar. You know, he only has 36 songs. He only has a few albums. I didn't count the extra degradation trip that he came out with, like the bonus demos, all that sort of stuff. I don't count that stuff. 36 total songs, I'd say at least, well, obviously because it's in my equation, but I have 24 of them being good to bad, just mediocre blah. And I think that's why I ended up with four terrible songs for Jerry, because you get to a point where after the fourth song, where it all sounds the same and it's all doing the same thing. Come on, man, this is terrible. Yeah. So four terrible songs, seven amazing songs, 24 good to bad songs over the 36 total. And then albums that I would own, well, it's still Jerry. He's still the guitar player in one of my favorite bands of all time. I would buy Boggy Depot, Degradation Trip, and Brighton. I'd buy all of them. So three of his vinyl, and he only has the three over ten. Making Jerry Cantrell's final score for the Great Search Equation, 1.333. In summation... For my favorites so far, we have Green Day at 1.089, we have Jerry Cantrell at 1.333, we have Credence at 1.556, and we have Cake at 1.754. I want to hear who is blasphemed that I like Cake more than CCR. I want to know who thinks that's ridiculous. I want to know who is mad at me that the Green Day isn't higher. Do you think that since they've been around forever, because they really have, Man, they've been around forever. And they are. They're When you are multiple generations' favorite bands, because the next generation, keep in mind, they all got down with, you know, Minority and, and uh, the Lonely Road song and um, uh, Know Your Enemy. They had a whole other generation. And I feel like they even have more now. They just keep going. It's amazing. But that's why we did the best equation, right? Right. 
And this is where I think I'm going to make a lot of friends and a lot of enemies. So let's get into best band of all time. We'll just start with Cake, who so far is my favorite band. Cake only had one number one hit ever in Never There, which that song doesn't do it for me. Kind of funny that it just, it got so big. They did have 13 top 40 songs, which shocks me. Yeah, rock and alt rock, 13 top 40s out of 71 songs. I mean, that's really good. Good job, Cake. I had no idea. They did not have any songs in the top 500 Rolling Stone songs. I'm not at all surprised by that. I thought maybe one might make it on there. But nah, they're too busy putting Drake on there. Anyway, doesn't matter. So we have one number one song multiplied by two plus the 13 top 40s over their 71. And then we have platinum and gold albums. Cake actually has two platinum albums. I was a little bit surprised to know that. I did not realize that. They have two platinum albums. They have one gold album leading Cake in the best band equation equating to 0.46% one. Not that high. I will tell you that the numbers in this tend to be a little bit lower, but yeah, not looking good for cake. And to put that in perspective, let's go down to Green Day, who I personally thought would have a much higher score than cake for obvious reasons. Those obvious reasons being their 12 number one hits. They have had 12 number one hits, man. Longview, Basket Case, When I Come Around, J-A-R, Minority, American Idiot, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Holiday, Know Your Enemy, Bang Bang, Still Breathing, and Oh Yeah! Exclamation Point. That is, that is 1994 to 2021. I mean, shit, give it up for that. That's, that's incredible. Can't even hate on that. They've had 12 songs in the top 40, which that's a lot too. That over the 209 songs that they've come out with. They have had seven platinum albums. Seven. And they've had two gold albums. They had one song on the Rolling Stones Top 500. It is number 150, and it is Basket Case, which I can actually get behind that. I see that. All told, in the search for the best band of all time, Green Day came out to a .982. Compare that to Cake's .461. I think that makes sense. But here we go. This is where it gets interesting. Creedence Clearwater Revival versus Green Day. We have Longevity versus Short Blast of Brilliance. And I am okay with the way this turned out. Some of you are not going to be. And you're going to have to let me know because I'm intrigued. Another incredibly intriguing fact about Creedence Clearwater Revival. Did you know that they hold the record for having number of number two hits and never getting a number one hit? Creedence never had a number one hit. That's what happens when you release everything in 1969. Sorry, too much good stuff. Yeah, five number two hits, not a number one. So no number one hits. They did have two songs in the top 500 Rolling Stones best songs of all time. Number 227, Fortunate Son, and number 152, Proud Mary. I personally, I think it's insane that they don't have at least one other song on here. I think it's insane that Fortunate Son isn't ahead of Proud Mary. It surprises me. Not necessarily that I think that, but that Rolling Stones would put that. But they have had 12 songs in the top 40. They have had six platinum albums, which is great considering what? They had seven total albums and one gold. And that's out of 71 songs. So like we said, short blast of brilliance, but no longevity. And two songs on the Rolling Stones top 500. Credence Clear CCR's score under best band of all time turned out to be a 0.875. So we have Green Day at a 0.982. We have Credence at 0.875. We have Cake at 0.461. That's where I think I'm going to have the most issue with you. Who's going to argue with longevity shouldn't matter? I just, it's funny because on a personal level, I completely agree. But when we're talking about best band of all time, When you're talking tours and amount of people they have put in jobs in the music industry for the past, fuck, 30 years, like we talked about, generation, three generations of number one hits, three generations of high school kids going Green Day, man. Yeah, I just, I can't, 
I think that's right. I think that they should have a fairly significantly higher score than Creedence Clearwater Revival, as blasphemous as that probably is to say. And then let's end with Jerry Cantrell, which I think you already know, he's not going to be anywhere near there. And that's okay. You know, he's had three albums. He's had zero number one hits. He's had six in the top 40, but he has no gold or platinum albums. So it's just no no shot in hell. But, you know, three albums, solo stuff. He's still been in Alice in Chains the entire time. Not a big deal. When we get to the numbers for Alice in Chains, man, if we were doing multiple platinum albums, other bands would be in trouble. But this is about Jerry. Jerry scored a .167 on best bands of all time slash artists. And that's where we are. Those are the four that we had for today. I will finish by giving you the final scores. DL's favorite bands of all time. Right now we have ranked number four, Green Day at a 1.089. Ranked number three, Jerry Cantrell at a 1.333. Ranked number two, Credence at a 1.556. And ranked number one, no surprise to me, Cake at 1.754. And then we have the best bands of all time. We have Jerry Cantrell at a 0.167. We have Cake at a 0.461. We have Credence with a huge jump over at 0.875. But then we have Green Day leading the pack at 0.982. And that's it. Let me know what you think. I, I swear I have zero clue. This is either going to be incredibly interesting to you people or the dumbest, worst, most terrible content you've ever heard. If that's the case, I honestly apologize. I promise I put so much work into this. And at least know that if this is terrible content, I worked hard to try to make it good for you guys because I love you all so much. Versecoursefirst.com at versecoursefirstpod. Thank you, everybody, for letting me ramble and ramble and ramble. I've got to get to hanging with my daughter. I can hear her going nuts in the other room. I am going to go have a drink and uh, enjoy the rest of the night and maybe start thinking about the next four for the next episode. I love you all. Good night and good luck. Good luck.